Hey guys, on today's episode, we're going to be getting into how hypnotherapy can help you create a better relationship with food. So if you're looking to learn how to lose a little weight and develop a healthier relationship with food, which I know I am, you're definitely not going to want to miss today's episode. And I have a special bonus freebie for you at the end of the show. When we recover, we are returning to a normal state of health, mind, or strength. We begin the process of regaining control over something that was lost. Welcome to the Road Beyond Recovery podcast, and my name is Tamar, your host. Have you ever felt like you were meant for more? Well, I help people discover their purpose so they can follow their passion and realize what they are truly capable of. My mission is to empower people in recovery to embrace their authentic selves, live up to their true potential, and answer the question, what lies beyond recovery for you? Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to the Road Beyond Recovery podcast. My name is Tamar, your host, and I'm really excited today because I've got an amazing guest for you all. But before we get into that, I just wanted to let you know about a referral program I now have. And of course, The goal is I want to spread that hope that people in recovery have this amazing gift, right? We've got our history, we've got our past, and we can actually use that to affect so many people in such a positive way with our experience and by sharing our story and spreading the message that recovery is possible. So with this referral program, if you head on over to www.referral.com, dot fm slash recovery if you refer five friends you win a free coaching call with yours truly and if you refer 10 friends then i will send you a free paperback copy of my book beyond recovery which was a amazon bestseller but again head on over to refer dot fm slash recovery and go ahead and refer some friends and let's just spread the message of recovery that it's possible and that people in recovery can do extraordinary things. On today's episode, I'm chatting with my friend Bron Martin of MindKey. We talk about her struggles with weight loss, which so many of us face, and of course, how she overcame those. And we also talk about the struggles she had with alcohol and why she decided to get sober. We talk about overcoming emotional eating, and Bron provides some great tips if you want to learn how to develop a healthier relationship with food. Of course, she is a hypnotherapist and she helps so many people now overcome that emotional eating. I've actually taken some of her programs and they are phenomenal. The hypnotherapy sessions are great. And I think it's just allowed me to make some small steps forward in my own journey as well. So you're not going to want to miss this one. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back, everybody. I am hanging out with my friend, Bron Martin. So you are a hypnotherapist, right? Who does transformational hypnotherapy. Mm-hmm. That sounds super cool. So I definitely want to dig into that. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for being on the show. Now, for my guests that don't know you, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and what inspired you to do what you're doing today? 
Okay, so I'm a Kiwi, so that's my accent in case anyone's wondering. I'm not from the UK, although I spent 10 years there. And I live in Australia in the subtropics in Queensland. And I've been on a journey for, well, forever, personal development junkie, and did the whole stint in corporate, like soul-sucking jobs that I hated. And then I found myself in a beige cubicle, hating my life, and I decided to become a dog walker to get out of that beige cubicle and everything was terrible. I was drinking too much. I was eating all of the wrong things. The weight was piling on and there was a big empty void inside where self-love is meant to live. And I just knew things weren't right. So I went to a healer and she was just like, there's just no self-love in your body. And I'd suppressed that feeling for years with drugs in London, doing my druggy party days. And then when I moved to Australia, just drinking like Kiwis and Aussies do, and it just nothing was filling the void. Food wasn't filling the void. And that had always been my go to. So I just went on a bit of a journey. I never walked one single dog. <laughs> I did the, all of the branding for it. It looked really <laughs> awesome. It was this little, it was this um, girl riding on a Vespa because I lived in Melbourne, which is very hipster. She was right, driving a Vespa with a little pooch out the front, but I never walked a dog. And I um, fell back into my strengths, which was sales and marketing. And so I was doing that for a few years and I didn't feel completely in integrity. I had a six-figure business, but it, was, it wasn't as successful as what I would want somebody to be who was teaching me how to do what I was doing. And I was helping a client with her website and she had all of these testimonials and it was like, you've changed my life. This is amazing. This is incredible. I was like, I want some of that. <laughs> I want to help change lives. I want to stop. You know, and I was attracting people in who weren't doing the work and then blaming me. And it was just, um, it was the universe's way of saying, hey, perhaps this isn't the right thing for you to be doing right now. And so that's how I discovered hypnotherapy. And because I'd had a lifelong struggle with weight, um, I was holding on, I was 86 kilos at the time. I had to, can't do the 2.2 conversion very easily into pounds. It was a lot. Um, 170, 180 pounds. Yeah, it was a lot. And uh, so I released that uh, and then thought, these are the women that I want to be working with. The women like me who found themselves on the yoga mat just in tears, you know, in a shop where the woman is, says to me, oh, it's hard for us big girls to find clothes, isn't it? And I was just like, who are you calling a big girl? Because I had complete body dysmorphia. I thought I was really skinny. Um, and so now I just, it's so rewarding working with women to, it's not just about the weight. It goes so much deeper than that. It's about everything that you're holding on to energetically, emotionally, and physically. So that's how I came to be doing what I do now. That's awesome. And I, I, you know, I remember when I first got sober, I was 215 pounds. So I don't know, we will have to reverse that. We'll do the math after. We'll put yeah. it in the show notes, but I remember just feeling like, okay, I'm nothing, right? I'm mm -hmm. I'm fat, right? And I would just say that to myself repetitively. And I truly believe that if I just lost the weight, that it would heal yeah. everything in here, right? Yeah. I'm like, if I fix the outside, then the inside's gonna be good. Yeah, I'm gonna have good hair days. My life is gonna be like a tampon commercial. Everything's gonna be like hunky-dory. It's gonna be amazing. And that's the thing. It, and it's what I believe is that we have to fall in love with ourselves first and then our body feels safe to release the weight. Because if we 
are trying to fill that void where self-love lives, then we're just going to find something else, whether it be shopping, alcohol, drugs, whatever it is, inappropriate relationships, you know, we'll find something else that will end up making us feel rubbish about ourselves. Exactly. And I've heard something I read in a book that said that we as humans can become addicted to anything that gives us pleasure. Yeah. Until it becomes a stick to beat ourselves with. And then like we want it and then we feel like we deserve to be punished for it. So it's a vicious cycle of wanting and craving something that makes us feel terrible. Oh. And yeah, rinse and repeat. It's a, hor- a horrible way to live. <laughs> it's almost this like just perpetual self-punishment that we seem to yeah. love that we just can't yeah. get out of. And we so, get stuck there. We get yeah. stuck on that level where that's what we feel that we deserve. So that's why, you know, a mind in conflict is a mind that cannot change. So if one part of us wants to change and the rest of us is saying, well, this is where you deserve to be because you're a bit rubbish because you ate a Snickers yesterday then we're never ever going to succeed yeah yeah absolutely so you talk about how weight loss wasn't the biggest gift right it was the self-love that Mm. accompanied it and i love that so can you tell us just why the self-love is so important because that's something that i really had to learn in the beginning yeah so was like i said i went to healers and they um this one in particular she was like there's just no self-love in your body then she'd give me an affirmation that i'd put in my purse and forget about and when you've got that empty void inside, it, it matches your self-talk. So I ended up on antidepressants around that time because I started believing all of the shitty thoughts that I was telling myself. So you're so rubbish. You're so useless. God, you can't even stick to a diet. I mean, I had times I decided to go vegan one morning and found myself that evening in the KFC car park shoving chicken into my face. So, you know, it's just like... We, we can't help those things that, like, if we don't care about ourselves, if we don't love ourselves, if we don't value ourselves, then our actions are going to reflect that. So if we're coming from self-love, filling up with that, our self-talk is going to be loving and kind. Our words are going to be soft. They're going to be encouraging. So if you think about the words that you use about yourself, and I'd be like, oh, you're so rubbish. You're so shit. Why can't you do anything? You shouldn't even, you're not even where you want to be in life. You're such a loser compared to your friends, like all of this stuff. And like, I wouldn't want to hang out with somebody that talked to me like that. And I was stuck with that horrible person. So, um, yeah. And for me, hypnotherapy, because it's replacing the stories that you've been playing over and over in your head. And so I listen to hypnotherapy a lot. And I also get a lot out of um, sessions with clients. And about a year ago, I was just getting ready and I was just in the mirror getting ready, just doing my hair or something. And then this mean girl voice just popped in like a like a radio station, just change station. And all this this torrent of abuse came through. And I was just like, I was so shocked that I just stopped and I went, oh, fuck off. And then the voice instantly went away. But that was what I was like all the time. And so for me to have that pop in, it was just so random I was like, no, you, you're not welcome here anymore. This is, we've got this. So, yeah, that's what self-love does. It quietens those voices and it um, makes you value yourself. So you make good choices to back that up. Yeah, and it's much easier to continue to press forward because I've noticed that I've really been working on that. And I love being by myself now. It was one of my biggest fears was, especially when I travel, I was alone for a week or sometimes two weeks at a time. 
And I've really learned to embrace that. And I love spending time just being by myself now. And I oh, couldn't I say that it. before. Oh, I love it. I've always loved it. Like I've gone on so many trips by myself. I remember I was ended up in a restaurant in um, Krakow in Poland and it was Valentine's Day. And I was like, I'm going to go out to a nice restaurant for dinner. And the waiters were so embarrassed for me. They were just trying to tuck me into the corner. I was like, oh, no, I want a table in the main area. Like, why should I, you know, <laughs> why should I be stuck down the back just because I'm by myself? Exactly. Yeah, You're the nice. best date. Yeah. Do whatever right? I want. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so let's talk about relationship to food because this mm. is, I was always a yo-yo dieter, a fad dieter, like I always wanted the quick fix, right? I never yeah. was willing to put in the work. Then when I got sober, I actually lost 75 pounds that year and I ate chicken, broccoli and rice every single day. Mm -hmm. I had my treat meal on the weekends, right? I was so rigid. I worked out seven days a week, but it became exhausting because in the beginning, obviously you're using your willpower, but because I was restricting myself so badly, it was so hard to start again. So then I'd look yeah. for the next biggest thing, right? So for me, it's really been about, I have to change the my relationship with food. So how do you yeah. do that? Yeah, completely. And the thing is diets don't work because straight away your body goes into, okay, we'll let you go for a bit and see how this is going. But anything that it loses, that's why I never say weight loss, anything it loses, it wants to get back. And usually it brings back even more because you're, you know, you're bringing back loads more because your body's like, this can never happen again. So I changed my relationship with food. I used to be a complete sugar addict. And when you're eating sugar, it's very close to um, having a relationship with cocaine, which is also a major fan of for a while. And it, you get that same gnawing feeling in the belly. Like I used to say, I'd give my left little finger for another line of Coke right now at the end of the night when <laughs> no, the deal is not going to come around. Like that's the end of the night. I'm just like, ah, oh, just one more line. <laughs> I've given away so many little fingers. And um, so how I changed my relationship to food was that I, I just decided that there was, I was going to tap into the wisdom of my body and my body gave me a hard no to gluten and to dairy as well. And just this year, much to my dismay, it's given me a hard no to coconut, which was basically a food group of mine and nuts, which were also a food group of mine. So I've had to just keep leaning into what my body is telling me. And I know those two might not be forever, but for now it's causing health issues. So then it's just getting excited about what else is out there. So hypnotherapy or hypnosis, listening to hypnotherapy is if you're having a session with a hypnotherapist, hypnosis is listening to the recordings. Um, so I just trained myself not even to see the food in the supermarket. And I was living with somebody at the time who was a massive like junk food junkie. And I'd open the pantry and I wouldn't even see it. Like it's, that's not my food. I don't eat that. And I remember being at a service station and they said, um, I was filling up with petrol and they said, oh, do you want this cheap deal? It was like some sugar water and crappy chocolate. Do you want this? Because um, you get cheaper gas. And just my brain just opened my mouth and said, I don't eat that shit. So straight away, it's like I've raised my standards. I've upgraded. So if I'm going to eat chocolate, which is also off the menu for me at the moment, but not for long, hopefully, um, 
then I eat the best chocolate and I eat chocolate that doesn't have dairy in it because that's a filler ingredient that is terrible. So yeah, eating the best and raising your standards is one way. Also having hypno that just, it's like shining the light of awareness onto a relationship and it enables you to forget what you're ready to forget and remember everything that you're using to move forward because if what happens is there's a disconnect between the cause and the effect if i sit here and eat mcdonald's seven days a week then i'm going to get big is lost when you're smelling mcdonald's when you walk past that that link isn't there so a hypno puts that link in and it removes other links that lead to those cravings Oh, and I, I just told you before we came on that I just had my first session with a hypnotherapist and it was fantastic. Yeah. So, you know, who is um, hypnosis or hypnotherapy for? Like if somebody came to you, um, you know, what would you tell them? What, is, what, what do you help them with? Yeah, so I have people coming to me, like I've, um, I specialize in weight release and self-love, weight and worth. And I have um, some women who come to me and then they get their husbands to come to me. Some willing, some not so willing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so the thing is, hypnosis can suit anybody. There are there can be issues if somebody um, has some mental illnesses like um, the possibility of psychosis or epilepsy is also another thing. But it's a it's a gray area right like it's no hard and fast you can't treat somebody if they've got this and I have some people saying to me as well oh, I don't think I can be hypnotized or I've tried a hypnotherapist before and it didn't work and I'm like well I've been to a doctor before that was terrible I've been to a restaurant before that was terrible we're not all the same and I'll, it's kind of like I smile when people say I don't think I can be hypnotized I'm like just wait <laughs> yeah yeah and if people are like oh I don't, I don't know if I am hypnotized when I'm in it. I'm just like, pretend that you are hypnotized and then pretend to stop pretending and you're hypnotized. It's all sinking in. It's all sinking in. So hypnosis is working by bypassing the conscious mind and talking directly to the subconscious mind because the conscious mind is, well, we think that it's driving the train it's really not what's driving the train is this little seven-year-old girl inside who really wants some sweets and she wants them now so we download the world from zero to seven and everything that happens to us comes through that prism of experience that we've had so if we're making decisions they might seem adult legit decisions because we justify them but if we dig deeper, there's that little girl saying, I don't want to be seen. Like I put on my weight because I didn't want to be seen by men. I wanted to be invisible because I'd had terrible relationships and it worked. Like, you know, if any woman out there, you know, if you want a superpower to be invisible, then just stack on the kilos or the pounds. And I also always use this disclaimer because some women are big and they own it and they are they just dominate and their energy is out there. I was not one of those women. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, don't look at me. <laughs> so, yeah. I can't actually remember what your question was. I think I went off on a bit of a tangent there, but. That's okay. You can tangent away. Feel Tangents free to at any point in this conversation. Yeah. I, you know, it's interesting when you said, you know, some people are like, I don't believe I could be hypnotized. I wasn't sure what to expect because you see it on TV, right? People, 
and and I didn't know what to expect really and it was almost I was there and I was the most relaxed that I've ever felt in my life like I really felt that I could just pay attention so I was fully engaged with what was going on but at the same time I wasn't you know I was just kind of being present yeah some clients say to me that it feels like it feels like I was there but I didn't know where the words were coming from like I knew it was my voice speaking because you're tapping into a much deeper level than your logical, analytical, reasoning, conscious mind. Yeah. yeah it was such a cool experience. It's amazing. I love it. And uh, so I also get people asking about the stage show hypnosis, which is given, you know, I mean, it's entertaining, but so I, I've watched some of them as well. I, I thought, I wonder if I could just do it for a laugh, but I've never, I've never gone there. And they're actually choosing people One that are, um, you know, you put your hand up to offer. So straight away, you're an extrovert. Straight away, you're up for it, right? And then they do tests to make sure that that you're going to go into a deep, deep level of trance. And so they're now, they've whittled down their audience, say from about 100 or 200 down to a couple of people. So that's how they get those people who are so suggestible. And when you're doing hypnosis for therapy, hypnotherapy, then we don't need you in a deep trance because we need to have that the session where we're conversing with you and we're tapping into all that wisdom in your body. It was incredible. Like it was such an amazing experience and it's something that I plan to continue to do. So you mentioned obviously drinking drugs. I had the same good times, bad times, lots of times, table dancing, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So you quit what four four and a half years ago was it? Four years ago. So I quit drugs um, about eight years ago. I, I had once or twice in Australia. It was so terrible. I was like, why bother? Um, <laughs> you get used to good. You get used to the good stuff in the UK. And I also I just knew that I was leaving that life behind when I left the UK, and that's part of the reason why I left. And the other part was visa issues. I wanted to run my own business, and I saw that that was in my future. Um, so I left that behind quite easily because and it's also really expensive in Australia and it's terrible so I left that behind and then drinking what happened when I left um, the UK I fell into a funk because I wasn't wasted all the time and then then feelings started coming up so I'd drink a bit more and I never had a drinking problem I always say I had a problem with drinking so I wasn't an alcoholic I wouldn't class myself as anything like that but as I got older and like I got into my late 30s and I just couldn't back it up. I think I had three quarters of a bottle of wine and I was hung over for two days. And so then I'd make the rule. I'd be like, okay, so I'm just going to have one glass and then I won't feel terrible tomorrow. I'd have one glass and that's not enough. So I'd just have two glasses. And once you've had two, fuck it, you might as well have three. And then and then I'd be hung over for two days. So to me, the upside wasn't worth the downside. And I realized that I had my God kids and I was looking after them. And it was bath time and they were like, it was just a really, like they call it the shit shift for a reason. It was like the four to six and um, they wouldn't eat the dinner that I made them. They were just being little horrors at the dinner table. And then it was bath time and I was downing my wines while they were eating because I wanted to be a little bit drunk to get through bath time. And I gave myself a reality check the next day and I was like, you had to drink to get through bath time because I was fun Auntie Bronnie, looked slightly pissed and being very hilarious while they were having their showers compared to just grumpy, come on, hurry up, come on, let's go, come on, chop, chop, you know? 
And so, um, yeah, I gave myself a reality check. I think that was the same night I, I rolled over in the morning and there was a red wine bottle beside my bed. And I'd just been watching Netflix in bed. And my friends were upstairs also drinking red wine. But I was just like, no, no, this doesn't feel right. And I'm an all or nothing person. And so I just decided from that day and I haven't drunk a drop since that day. And, and I had a girlfriend staying last weekend, like my best friend. And even now she's still like, are you still doing that not drinking thing? Like even champagne, like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So I think, and I think people think you're going to be really boring. Oh, you're just going to be boring. And one, it, it shines a light on their own relationship with alcohol, which is huge. Um, they think your relationship's going to change, that you're going to drift apart, that you're going to judge them when they're pissed. And I mean, none of that's true because there's a couple of friends that get a bit messy. And I, to me, I just, I distance myself from when it gets to that stage. I'm like, I don't need to see that. Um, but most of them are just, you know, tiddly and on a high and I'm riding on the same energetic wave. So I get all of the fun and none of the hangover. It's brilliant. Works out well. And we remember it and everything like I, I know. you know, you can go, I remember going out to eat for the first time and I was looking at the menu and I'm like, I can actually order the most expensive thing on this menu tonight because I don't need a hundred dollars for drinks. Exactly. You know, <laughs> I would actually save money. And I learned very quickly that it was actually quite normal to not talk about alcohol, to not worry about alcohol, to not like... People often ask me, like, how do I know if I have a problem? I'm like, well, do you think about it all the time? You know, is it something that you, as soon as you have one, you like to have two or three? Like, I don't think people realize that it doesn't, it's not about the quantity. It's the reaction that you have to it. And also like the thought, I mean, I was at a wedding in, um, in London. It was a dry wedding and I was horrified, absolutely horrified. And they're really religious and they don't drink. So they had a dry wedding and they're also a very young couple. And so our table ordered in alcohol. (laughs) Like how disrespectful thinking back. And I think I was the ringleader. Like, well, this is not, no, this is not going to work for me. So we got somebody to go up to the, to the off license and get us some bottles of wine. (laughs) Yeah. That sounds like something I've done. Yeah, I think so. It's just, it's funny. Yeah. And I think um, dating sober is an interesting thing too. Like, uh, so guys, when I, I talk to them first and I've got on my profile, I go on and off on internet dating because honestly, it's just like soul destroying. Um, but recently I had one and, and he was he was an English guy who drank a lot. He had a pub culture about him. And he just kept bringing up the fact that I didn't drink all the time. And he even said, I will change that. And I was just like, uh, red flag, hello. <laughs> and um, and in the end, he was going on about it so much, just over a couple of dates. I was giving him the benefit of the doubt, which in hindsight, I shouldn't have. I should have just called it quits then. And then I said to him, the way you go on about the fact that I don't drink makes me think that you need a woman to be legless to seduce her. And he was like, oh, is that coming across like that? I was like, completely. And he was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> I was like, do you, does somebody have to be really drunk to sleep with you? Like, is that what the vibe I'm getting here? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, mm. it's, uh, 
Yeah, dating drunk is very messy. I I remember dating, you know, when I first got sober, I'm like, okay, this is really strange. I have to carry on this conversation. And I didn't realize sometimes it's so hard to carry on a conversation with certain people. Right. But I've made a complete dick of myself on dates, like, especially because I used to take so much coke in London. And then on a date, I wouldn't because I didn't want to be like and going to the bathroom every five minutes. I just did a coke face for anyone on the podcast because you can't see me. (laughs) <laughs> the gurning face, the bright eyes. Um, and so then I wouldn't, you know, be doing coke on a date. And then I'd end up paralytic because, you know, I was just like nervous so I couldn't eat. And then I'm such a lightweight, three or four drinks, and I'm like a mess. So sometimes I'd have to have a second date just so they wouldn't remember me as much from the first date. It was embarrassing. <laughs> it is. I can totally relate. So how did you know giving up the alcohol and the drugs how did that change your life because you know obviously you're doing some amazing things right now yeah it changed everything so um for me it was just a next step of my evolution and i had a drink with a neighbor the other day and she just got it straight away and and no one else has said this to me but she just got it she walked into my house she saw the buddhas she saw you know the fact that i'm you know into what I do and um, now it makes me sound like I've got a Buddha shrine it's not like that at all Um, and when we were talking about the fact that I don't drink as I was sitting there with a glass of alcohol-free wine feeling like I wasn't missing out on anything there's some amazing alcohol-free wines and I don't get triggered to drink normal wine by drinking alcohol-free wine and spirits like there's some amazing alcohol-free spirits and I just realized that it was the energy of it and the energy of it was holding me back and she said that she said because I'm really sensitive, like super sensitive. And she said, um, energetically, not so much emotionally all the time, but um, she said, do you, was it your energy that you had to make that change? And I said, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. So I realized that it was holding me back and doing what I wanted to do. And like, you know, I, I think it was funny. Like I was coaching at the time and if it was a client that I really knew, I'd, and because I work with clients around the world and I'd had a few wines and I'd get on a call and, you know, it's just, and I'd think it was funny and they would think it was funny. But looking back, I was like, what were you thinking? It's crazy. So yeah, a shift was necessary. Oh, that's fantastic. Now, I I deal with a lot of people who are very stuck, right? They're very down on the self, the negative self-talk that we talked about. So when somebody comes to you and they're like, I don't think I can change. I desperately want to, but I don't think I can. What are like the first kind of the three biggest tips that you'll tell somebody? Because I love helping people ignite that spark in them and allowing them to see what they're capable of. That's what fires me up. Like, I love that stuff. Yeah. Listen to your hypno. Listen to your hypno. Listen to your hypno. Like (laughs) if we try and make change from the conscious mind, the logical analytical reasoning mind, it's only 10%. So if you go into the subconscious, that's where the change actually happens. So affirmations, conscious mind, trying to instill habits, conscious mind, you know, and if you're, if you're able to get the motivation to roll over in the morning and stick your headphones in, and and I say to my clients, I'm not asking you to go freaking boot camp. You're not getting up at 5am in the cold to go out running in a muddy field you're rolling over and you're putting your headphones in. It's like, let the hypno do the heavy lifting for you. So, and anything can be helped with hypnosis. It's just, it's mind changing. So that's what I would say. That yeah, is, realize. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, it's good. 
<laughs> Are you sure? Because yeah. you're allowed to interrupt at any point and go on around. You rant. know what I said to myself? I just interrupted you then because I've got a bad <laughs> habit of interrupting. And so I said to myself beforehand, it's like, just don't interrupt. That was my self-talk. <laughs> but when you're excited about things, it's hard not to because it's just easy to have conversations. I know, but I listen to podcasts and sometimes the person keeps interrupting and I'm just like saying to the podcast, stop interrupting. Like, and it makes me aware of a passion that I have. <laughs> so don't listen to ours because then you won't, you know, but you'll know already in advance. It, we're at uh, what, 40, 42 minutes. So minus the 10 we spoke before. So at the 30 minute mark, just fast forward 30 seconds yeah. and you won't even have to hear it. Awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wake up first thing in the morning and I right away, listen, I do meditation. I do. I love to learn more, obviously, about the, you know, hypnotherapy in regards to letting go of the weight. But you mm. also have a program, right, called Overcome mm -hmm. Emotional Eating. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So the one of the big things about eating is that we eat our emotions because emotions are inherently uncomfortable. And there are so many distractions to stop us feeling our emotions, social media, um, mainstream media, Netflix, whatever it is, we're just consuming, consuming, consuming. And quite often our consuming habits are tied into food or food is the standalone star. So instead of eating our emotions, it's giving us the space to make better choices and to understand that it's safe for us to feel our emotions. And it's safe for us to feel our emotions when we realize what they are, because most of the time we're just like, I just feel shit. And it's like, well, if you dig deeper into that, why is that, you know? And I'm not saying that you just sit there wallowing in your emotions, but with hypno, you can, that's, it's like guided, right? So it's just getting you through. So for instance, um, whatever you're eating can be related to how you're feeling. So if you're feeling angry or frustrated, you might even go to food that like a baguette, right? Like a, a French stick, like chewing or potato chips, crunching or celery, normally not celery. Um, but it's that, it's that real crunching, like, oh, oh, because your brain and your body are so smart. They know that you need to get frustration out and you get that out through your jaw. Um, whereas if you feel like you need to be soothed and comforted, Bridget Jones breakup scene, you know, with um, Ben and Jerry's ice cream or something, because that's how you soothed as a child, or that was a treat. I never use the word treat because you're not a dog, but that was a treat for you as a child. So it's not using food to reward um, or alcohol. Like so many adults have like their adult star chart. And at the end of the day, they've deserved their wine because they've adulted today. And it's like, yeah, don't you deserve to be in a body that you love? Don't you deserve so much more than you know smashing pretzels into your face every night I, I used to like burn a track from the fridge the pantry and the couch like like oh what's in there and, and I'd open it and there'd be nothing there and then I'd go back 10 minutes later there must be something now <laughs> yeah so it's just cutting all of that out cutting out the mindless um eating so I say that you're going from zombie to zen zombie eating where you are like a walking zombie just like or oh, what can i eat to mindfully eating so you eat when you're hungry you stop when you're full you eat slowly you savor the flavor you um you don't turn to junk food as a coping mechanism because you're a grown-ass adult and there's way more tools in your toolkit than a snickers bar <laughs> <laughs> really 
I've noticed that because I was a very emotional eater, I still do if I'm tired. If I don't get enough sleep, I make terrible, terrible choices because I'm mm -hmm. looking for that energy, right? But, um, you know, when I started to improve my relationship with food, you know, you talk about enjoying the flavor, enjoying the taste. I actually slowed down my eating and I'm like, okay, I want to fully enjoy this meal right now. Like if I'm going to go out and have something that you know french fries and a burger for example i'm gonna go to the best place that i know where it tastes the best and i'm gonna yeah. enjoy every single bite and own it yeah exactly and i mean i still eat fries and burgers i love fries and burgers um and i was talking about this with a client the other day what happens is when i eat that i eat like nothing i eat has guilt associated with it nothing for my body, I choose not to eat gluten or dairy. And there have been a few times, like I went to a really fancy restaurant and I had both. And on the first day that I had stomach cramps and feeling really uncomfortable and not that great, I was like, it was still worth it. The second day I was like, okay, maybe it wasn't worth it. So yeah, it's understanding what your body wants and needs and thriving on that. But I still emotionally eat occasionally. Like, you know, it's okay to emotionally eat occasionally. It's okay to do that soothing I don't turn to junk food, but I had a really horrific time um, earlier in the year. And like my second mum basically had a brain aneurysm surgery that went wrong and we thought we we're gonna lose her. And I was traveling from the Sunshine Coast down into Brisbane, which is like just over an hour. And subliminal, subliminal, that's really hard to say, marketing and messaging and billboards and everything I kept passing KFCs and I haven't eaten that for I'd eat chips because they're gluten-free if I was really stuck but I have not eaten KFC chicken for three years and I found myself three times in one week as I'm going to the intensive care in the middle of COVID so there's all these restrictions as well it was so stressful and I was shoving chicken into my face on the way down the motorway and I just owned it and I shared with my community I was like this is what I've been doing this is why I've been doing it and, you know, got down to the deeper thing. And not once did I feel guilty about it. I just, I felt compassion for that younger Bron who was reliving her own mother dying and was, went back into that stage of early twenties and just eating KFC because that's where, you know, that was my thing. And um, I was okay with it. And then as soon as I got that aha moment awareness, the desire for it completely left. So that's the thing. It's not a diet, it's a lifestyle. And it's being okay with whatever happens because it's all just um, insights that you can use for a deeper level of healing, basically. So does the hypnotherapy then, I'm assuming, because I know that in the past I would snowball. If I had something like that, the next day, of course, because you're feeling it, it's like, okay, well, I'm just going to start on Monday again, right? Does, yeah. Is that really what the hypnotherapy can help stop? Yeah, completely. And I used to say every moment is a fresh start. Every moment is a fresh start. And for me at that time, my hypno had slipped because I was just so like in another world and doing all the stuff. And I just moved house as well. I've moved twice this year. It's, <laughs> I've got post-traumatic stress disorder from moving. Um and so everything was just piled on top of me. And then I got back onto my hypno and then I got back on track. So if you just, what it's what you do most of the time that makes a difference. So more often than not, if you're doing your hypno, you're going to stay on track. And, you know, people are like, I've been doing my hypno 
and I did it like three times in one week, but nothing's changed. I'm like, it took you 45 years to create those stories. Give yourself a fucking break. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get some consistency in here. But then some clients will listen once and they're like, oh, I haven't eaten sugar since I listened to that hypno. So, you know, it's just, yeah, it's being consistent and showing up to let it work. And I think because we're so, it's so ingrained in us, the quick fix. Yeah. Right? We need everything and we need it now. And I'm an all in kind of person, but I just keep doing the forward momentum, right? And one step every single day forward. Yeah. It's but the I only do, way. there's no magic to anything, really. I mean, it's what I coach on too, right? Because I help people discover their purpose and their passion in life. And I'm like, there's no quick fix to this stuff. Like, you just yeah. have to know what it is that you want, right? And you have to start moving forward towards it. And yeah. I think, I don't know if it's like this for you, but for me, since I've I found my purpose and passion in life and helping other people, there's a lot of stuff now that's completely out of my head. Like the negative self-talk, like you said, it still happens occasionally. But I just have to turn around and go, wow, I can't believe what I've done in this last year. I'm going to keep going, right? There's yeah. something that happens inside you that you're so forward focused now that things just, they get better. Yeah. And I think you just get bigger than those thoughts. Like you're, you're expanding into something and yeah. So those thoughts don't have as much power or you recognize them like I did. And you're just like, nah, we don't do that anymore. We don't play that game anymore. And so it's, you know, for women, especially even apologizing for ourselves all the time, I'm sorry about this. I'm sorry about that. And I used to do it. I almost apologize for breathing, you know. And when you're feeling that low about yourself, you find yourself in bullying situations. And I was playing the victim role quite a lot. Um, and then when you've got your own back, you tend to attract in situations that reward you for that um, rather than being feeling helpless and hopeless and a victim because you don't know how to change things because you're actually building your own self-esteem and your own self-worth with every choice that you're making. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I used to sit in my big pity pot. I had such a massive pity pot. It wasn't even same. a pot. It was a pity pit. Yeah, same. If that's even a thing. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's really important to recognize how we cast ourselves in the story of our lives. How do we, like I would meet people and tell them about what I was struggling with. Like, how fucking boring. And I didn't know better though. I didn't know better at the time. I didn't recognize that I was doing that. And so, you know, if you, and I'm not saying, you know, it's that lacquering a layer of positivity if there's a festering pile of shit underneath it, but it's recognizing what, how you are projecting yourself because that's how other people are going to treat you. Oh, yeah. So true. It's yeah. so true. And I've noticed since I've even come into the podcasting world, right? And I started meeting other entrepreneurs. It's amazing being surrounded with a bunch of people that have the same struggles as everybody else has, but they just do things a little bit differently. And their main focus is helping other people. Yeah, completely. So rewarding. Yeah, I just never get tired of, you know, hearing. And I don't take I don't take credit as much for it. I just am so chuffed that I'm a small part of it. And if people credit me too much, I'm like, no, this is what you're doing. Because if I take credit for your results, then I have to take ownership if somebody else doesn't get the results because they didn't show up. And I'm not going to do that. So I just, I'm cheering from the sidelines. Yeah, it's so true. I remember, you know, when I first got sober and I was starting to help other people, 
they'd be like, oh, thank you so much. And I'm like, it's not me. You did the work. Because the reality is, is we have to want the change for it to happen. Yeah. There's a thing called the threshold of change and it's change me now. So it's ready for change, knowing that the change has to come from me and that I'm ready to take action on that change now. And so if you're not answering yes to all of those three things, then you're not ready to change. I love that. So how, if people want to know more, how can they get a hold of you? So on Facebook, I'm under Bron Martin Mind Key. So if you just put that in, um, you'll find me on there. And my website is www.mindkey.com.au because I'm in Australia. Which is so awesome. I love the accent, by the way. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> my hypno voice is way different. That's right. <laughs> I, I, I soften I soften the uh, Kiwi dulcet tones a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Thank you so much, Bron, for being on the show. I really appreciate you being here. You're so welcome. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Bron was a blast to have on the show. And I left that episode completely unedited because I think it was fun. And I wanted it to be the way it was, you know, and let's be honest, you know, recovery itself is messy. And so why not leave the show exactly as is, but had a good time. I hope you guys learned something. You know, I really took out of it the self-love part, learning to love yourself, because that was something that I really struggled with when I came into recovery, because I really disliked myself. I disliked everything about myself. And so, you know, as I've kind of grown and built that foundation and created a good life for myself, and especially when I discovered my purpose and I started doing things that were other people centered, things really changed for me. So you know, grab a hold of that foundation, make sure you continue to build it and then discover your purpose. And speaking of discovering your purpose, I have a purpose to empowerment workshop. It's a live interactive workshop that's absolutely free. Uh, space is limited, but I run it weekly. So if you're interested in discovering your purpose, also learning what it takes to excel in life and why most people don't, uh, hearing some tips on to how to overcome procrastination and get more done in less time, which I'm sure we all would love to do, head on over to my website, theroadforward.ca slash purpose dash empowerment. And you can check it out. It's also if you just head on over to the first page of the website, if you scroll halfway down, it's located there as well. But space is limited. So make sure you sign up for this week's class. And I will see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Road Beyond Recovery. Did you know that our dreams can become a reality? When you determine your purpose in life and you allow that purpose to guide you, anything is possible. It just takes action. Don't wait until you're ready. Start to create the life you were truly meant to live right now. I am super passionate about my mission to help people live up to their true potential. So if you want to learn more, check out my website at www.theroadforward.ca. And until next week, keep exploring what lies beyond recovery for you.